What's up, guys? Welcome back to the final episode of 2018. Uh, it's been an awesome journey for us. We've had a blast. Uh, we've taken it from making a podcast basically just to hear ourselves talk uh, to having a lot of followers, uh, you guys listening to us, uh, us learning a ton of stuff from you guys, and hopefully we've been able to bring a bunch of stuff to you guys as well. Um, we started as, like I said, just a podcast. Now we've grown. Uh, we've got a premium site, runthepower.com. You can go there for free. You can you can be a premium member, a free member. You can just go there to see the podcast. Uh, we've got an upcoming summit. Uh, we've got some other things in the work that's coming on. And, and it all started from just a podcast just a year ago. So we're really excited about this. We hopefully... Uh, we hope that you guys uh, have enjoyed this year and hope that we can continue to bring really good stuff to you in the years to come. Uh, next week, we will again go back to bringing you guys two episodes a week, uh, starting Monday and Friday of next week. You'll get back into our two episodes a week. We're really excited about that. We can't wait to uh, start on some new podcast episodes. Uh, if you've got any any good leads for us, you got anyone you'd love to hear on the podcast, feel free to email us, reach out to us on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, and we'll get in touch with those guys and, and we'll get that going as well. We want some really awesome episodes for you guys. Uh, and so we're really excited about getting into uh, going back to Monday and Friday starting next week. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both of our programs, uh, both Broken Arrow and Ankeny, invested in Guardian Caps this year and we felt they helped our guys out immensely this season. They're soft-shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and thousands of high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, they're a lot more affordable than you guys probably would think. Uh, go check them out in our show notes or at guardiancaps.com. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you're at your own program, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial. Again, just enter the code RTP at teambuilder, T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. And then last but certainly not least, uh, our good friends over at Sideline Power. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their program to the next level. With new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one -on -one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communications at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, by email at info at sidelinepower.com, or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. 
On this episode of RTP, we talk with Adam Kirby. Coach Kirby is the assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, offensive line and tight ends coach, as well as the recruiting coordinator at Southwestern College in Winfield, Kansas. Listen as we talk with Coach Kirby about starting out as a young football coach, what he looks for in athletes he's recruiting, and the importance for coaches and players to have a love of the game. You can follow Coach Kirby on Twitter at CoachKirby25. Hope you guys enjoy. up a coach's kid you know I went to three high schools and uh yeah and I think my wife and I we counted it up one time um I think from kindergarten to my senior year I went to like eight schools total (laughs) wow it's uh it's it's uh it's it's crazy when you have to do that but I think it definitely kind of opened my eyes a little bit and, and was a huge benefit to me going into coaching I was going to say you get to meet a bunch of different people, but also it seems like, you know, you kind of got to make uh, – it's like you have to make friends. You've got to be a little outgoing because you're not just going to not know anyone and you're kind of the new kid there. Uh, that's at least, you know, kind of what happened when I moved in college. It, you know, you go there, you don't know anybody, and it's like you just kind of have to make friends. Oh, no question. No question. I mean, you know, certainly having, you know, the high school coach as your father helped, but sometimes that also wasn't as good because <laughs> – <laughs> kids didn't like your dad they didn't really like you either so <laughs> you have to adapt and you have to be outgoing and you have to be okay being uncomfortable I mean really I mean that's just the reality of the business and and so but it, it does it forces you if you if you're not a guy that's outgoing you're going to be out, outgoing pretty quick if you're going to be a coach's kid or be a coach did did your dad want to coach you or did he he want to put you on the other side I know like Wall's dad um I think wanted to put him kind of on the other side and the other side of the ball and not have to directly coach him. But what was your dad's philosophy on that? No, he, uh, he wanted to coach me. Um, you know, I mean, that was the highlight of my dad's career was coaching me and my brother at the same time. You know, we were both, um, we're three years apart. So we were in high school one year together, my senior year, his freshman year. And, um, I played offensive line and, um, played on the baseball team and he was the head baseball coach and the offensive line coach so he always <laughs> coached me and you know it, it was fun it, it was a good time getting to play with my brother get to play for your dad I mean you know I'm I heard Brett Favre say one time you know some coaches were tough but at least you didn't have to eat supper with them and so that's, <laughs> that's true as well <laughs> yeah I didn't I didn't mind uh, either way you know I was I, I felt like I was confident enough to where if my dad wanted to coach me, I, I would have been fine, but it was all kind of his choice. He decided that he, you know, he, he was going to be hands off, didn't want to have to deal with any, any parents or issues with, you know, being in a smaller town, you kind of know everybody. So he kind of just like, mm-hmm. you know, what, why, why rock the boat? A lot of these people are, are my friends and, and why ruin friendships over something just because my kid starts over one of them, you know, even if it was an, an obvious deal, you know, you, you make enough plays, but he was like, I'm not going to put you through it, and I'm not going to put me through it. And then, you know, your mom's sitting in the stands and having to listen to it, too. So he was kind of just – he's like, hey, man, I'm a ball coach. I can coach offense. I can coach defense. You know, he, he coached defense when I was an offensive player. And then my brother was a, a defensive player, and he went over and he coached a line. So it was never a problem. 
I'm with you. You know, and that's, I tell you what, I, that always kind of created a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Uh, you know, going to three high schools, you've always got to prove yourself and you got to prove yourself even more if your dad's a coach. Cause every mm-hmm. kid that, like you said, I grew up in small communities. My dad loved the small communities coaching in them. And I think there's something to be said for those one high school towns and, and, uh, but you go in and those people, they never leave those towns and it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what state you're in. There's people that have been there for forever. So you've got to work just as harder, if not harder, um, to come in and, and play and make a difference. Cause they're always going to say you're playing cause you're the coach's kid. So, um, I think that kind of instilled a work ethic in me a little bit younger than maybe it needed to be there. Cause I always <laughs> had that chip in my, on my shoulder a little bit, but that's why I like coaching in college. You know, my wife, she's pregnant with twin boys right now, and uh, I'm going to try to stay in as long as I can so I don't have to coach them because if they turn out like me and their mom, they ain't going to play college football, so they're not going to be big enough. <laughs> Twins, that's um, that's a little bit surprising when you see that. I, I, that never even crossed my mind. Both times my wife had – we had kids, I never even thought that that was a possibility. I, I think I'd have been uh, shocked or – or scared, or I don't know, everything all in one. I think if, if that would have shown up on the, on the uh, what is it, sonogram? Yeah, yeah. Well, trust me, I was, you know, we tried for about three years to have kids, and um, turns out she got pregnant. The first sonogram, we go in, and, and uh, you know, she's a month in, you know, they look like just little beans, you know, yeah. and she's like, well, there's one right there. And I'm like, golly, that's awesome, you know. And she said, well, wait a minute. And I'm panicking immediately. And, and she goes, well, there's another one. I said, did you just say another one? <laughs> Are you serious? And she said, yeah, y'all, y'all have twins. And so as time went on, we found out they were boys, which I just thought was the most awesome thing in the world. I mean, football coach with not. twin boys. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it doesn't get better like, than that. Hell no. Like this, that's awesome. I mean, I said, I've got my two all American guards. One's blocking down and one's kicking out. I mean, let's go. <laughs> that's right. Love it. That's right. That's the dream. Well, coach, we'll go ahead and, you know, we've kind of already been going, but we'll go ahead and, you know, get it started. Um, uh, just by letting you kind of introduce yourself, uh, to everybody, introduce yourself and kind of, uh, you've already told you a little bit of your high school story and then, and then kind of how you got into coaching and, and, uh, how you got to where you are now coaching. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, growing up uh, coaching family, I'll tell you, you know, my dad coached, uh, my aunt has been the uh, head girls basketball coach down in Texas at a high school for 30 years. My grandfather coached uh, recreationally, you know, which kind of put that love in my dad. My dad put it in me. So growing up, I was always around sports, always around coaches, um, always at the field house. So I, I tell you what, and I tell my players, and any time I talk to coaches, I say this, and it's true. There's not one day that goes by that I wished I would have done something else with my life. I mean, I've always wanted to be a football coach. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's really been nothing generic about my journey. I was going to go play D3 football which, um, you know, I was ecstatic to do, uh, didn't get to, um, got hurt my senior year, um, decided I knew I wanted to coach. So I became a student assistant. Well, uh, in the course of me being a student assistant at Tyler junior college, um, a high school coach of mine, my dad was actually his defensive coordinator came by his name is Johnny Ritchie. And he was starting up the program at Lon Morris college. Y'all had my buddy Kyle Siegler on a while back. And uh, me and him actually are, we started our careers together at Lawn Morris. Uh, He's, you know, and he, he saw me and he said, Hey, you want to come over and coach my running backs and be my recruiting coordinator? And I was 20 years old and he was just looking for free help. (laughs) 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 And he 
he knew I was a coach's kid, so I knew some high school coaches, and and uh, certainly you know somebody was outgoing and could go in and talk and make some of the connections. So I did that. Well, then from that point, um, Coach George Cumby was our linebackers coach at Tyler. He gets the head coaching job at Texas College in Tyler, Texas. Mm-hmm. And he calls me up and he says, hey, you got your associate's degree. We can hire you as a stipend coach. And he said, uh, you know, why don't you come over here and coach my offensive line, be my recruiting coordinator? I said, okay. You know, I mean, it was a pay raise from nothing to 400 bucks a month. So that was a no-brainer <laughs> for me. So in the morning, I took my classes at UT Tyler. And in the afternoons and at nights, I drove over to Texas College and did my film work and went to practice and had meetings. And at that point, I was 21, 22 years old. And um from there it just kind of took off um went to independence community college uh left independence went to mcmurray university in abilene texas and now i'm starting year three here up at southwestern college where i'm the offensive line coach and uh, offensive coordinator so yeah, there's been nothing generic about it um it, you know having not played uh it's been you know a bumpy ass road to say the least but i tell you what <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I go back to that that first year I was ever coaching at Texas College. I mean, I'm sitting there 21, 22, 23 years old early in my career. We go 0 and 11 and and we were terrible and I thought it was I thought it was Alabama. I thought it was the greatest job in the world. I mean, <laughs> other guys in my college classes are talking about the parties they went to that weekend and I'm getting to load up and we're going to go to Oklahoma Panhandle and, and and play a game and you know, I'm putting the headset on and coaching and you know, or we're we're driving out to Selma, Alabama, to play Concordia. So every weekend, I'm loading up on a Friday morning and going, and it, it just it's awesome, man. I love what I do, and and uh, to get to where I'm at, it, it's been a lot of fun. So, but going back, like I said, I mean, always knowing I wanted to coach, and then getting into the college game, I really started as a student assistant to just get some experience. I thought I was going to be a high school coach, and and um, you know, I thought, hey, if I get some experience, I could get a varsity job soon as I graduate and I just fell in love with the recruiting I fell in love with that the age group that we work with on a daily basis and um you know I've been fortunate enough to be able to to stay in it for as long as I have and and um and keep going so very very fortunate man it's it's an awesome profession isn't it fun I would say isn't it fun to be in the uh those smaller colleges just because you get to do so many cool things I mean you're involved with, with so many people on the campus and you got to wear, you know, nine hats. I love being at Augustana because, you know, one day I was doing equipment stuff. Another day I was doing football operations and helping, you know, plan trips for, you know, wherever we're going to travel to Washington. And then you had to go over to, to academics and make sure guys were clear talking to, to teachers and professors, uh, you know, talking to people in scholarships. I just, I just felt like, you know, be me kind of being ADD anyway, you know, uh, I like being able to, yeah. just, you know, every single day was something new, you know, it was like a new fire to put out. And I just, I just liked that variety of the job. And I think you're probably seeing a lot of that too, having a bunch of different jobs and experiences, but also, you know, being at smaller places and having to do all those things. I think it's a great, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think it's a great teacher. I mean, you know, over the course of my career and I've only been in small colleges, um, you know, I, I've been I've been able to be the offensive line coach, the tight ends coach. Um, I, I'm just now the offensive coordinator, but before that, I've, I've served as a recruiting coordinator, an academic coordinator, and a director of football operations, the equipment manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're right. I, I think for any young coach, 
it should be mandatory that they do small college football because it forces you to interact with people across the campus. It, it forces you to interact with, you know, different situations, makes you uncomfortable a little bit. You know, how, how do you organize the equipment room? Well, you better figure it out because the head coach wants it done that way. You know, I mean, he's, you know, so it gives you a lot of um, different things, different hats, different responsibilities. And, and uh, I've seen a lot of people get burnt out by it, you know, in the small college game. Um, but I love it. And I, I say that every Saturday. I mean, Saturdays in small college football is just awesome. I mean, because you can tell it means a lot to that small group of people. Um, you know, I'd love to be the offensive line coach at LSU one day. So if Ed Ogeron's listening, I'll do it. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, I, I love small college football. I love where I'm at. And um, there, there's nothing like it. I think it's preparing me to be a better coach. No question as I go in my career, because I've already done a lot of things that other guys haven't got to do. And I think it really goes with what, you know, Matt Drinkle's a good friend of mine. He, you know, we were talking one time at dinner. He's the head coach at Kansas Wesley. And he said, you know, when I had an opportunity to GA, you know, uh, I think it was um, his head coach at the time told him, hey, go somewhere where you can coach. You know, go somewhere where you can make those mistakes. And and uh, it's kind of funny. That's how my career ended up. I didn't have anybody tell me that. But there's a lot of truth to that. You know, nobody's really looking at us. You know, we're not under – ESPN, ESPNU, you know, so if I mess up on the equipment or compliance or something like that, you know, somebody's there to help you through it and undoubtedly make you a better coach for your next job. So, Well, one of the things that I think is so cool about, you know, being a college coach, other than, you know, it's, it's football all day, every day, which is it was a really cool thing. You don't have to split it up between anything else uh, as far as job-wise. But um, the, the really cool thing to me, especially as an offensive line coach, I think in college is, you get so many – you've got a chance to get so many, like, diamond-in-the-rough kids because, you know, with skill kids, a lot of times they've kind of hit their growth or, they, you know, you kind of have an idea of maybe what they're going to be. Maybe they get a little faster, a little stronger, but, you don't, you know, you kind of have an idea with them coming in. But some of these linemen that, that I've had are kids that we've played, like, secondary. I had a kid that was a secondary kid. Uh, he played offensive line for us his senior year, ended up going and playing uh, – I can't remember where he went up playing. And now, you know, he plays offensive line at a, at a smaller college. And so it's kind of cool, I would think, as a college coach, you get in some of these kids that grow out of nowhere. Now the kid that was whatever, 6'2", six, six and he was, you know, 240 pounds, now is a 6'5", 300-pound kid. And, and now you get to really see those guys blossom. And I've always thought those make the best linemen uh, because they've had to work so hard their whole life just to be decent, um, you know, just to – compete with these big kids now they hit that growth spurt they hit that whatever that testosterone starts to really getting into them they start getting stronger and then now they have that same work ethic they still know the same technique and now they've got the strength they've got the ability behind it no question absolutely you know and that's um you're absolutely right I mean we're kind of afforded that privilege at the small college level to you know nobody's forcing us to recruit five stars four stars you know nobody's rating our services as far as where we finished in the polls uh, you can really have the luxury to just go after football players. And sometimes at our level, at the small college level, you know, I'm coaching a center right now that has the potential to be the best one I've ever coached in, in nine years of coaching. And he's 5'10", 260 pounds. But he's mean, he's physical, he knows the game, you know, and I'm I'm with you. Some of those guys that I've recruited in the past, you know, 6'2", 240, 230, may not have gotten the looks that maybe they should have because they didn't weigh enough or they weren't tall enough, but they get on campus and they hit that, that four year spurt 
to where now they're graduating. They're six four, you know, two eighty, right. because they've they've bought into the weight room and they they've they've been getting meals in the calf and and everything else. So you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things I love is is coaching those guys that maybe have that chip on the shoulder, you know, like I talked about having as a player to where they felt like maybe they were under recruited or or whatever, and they're just going to come in. They love football. They they want to play football. It's important. The game's important. And, you know, at this level, you've just got a little bit smaller guy that maybe is a little bit more physical or, or, or um, unpolished, I should say, uh, like you're talking about, that could put on a little bit of weight or may grow a couple inches that may not be sexy to the eye initially, but can grow into that body and that you that everybody wants in their guys. So un, without question, I think that's the, the best part about it is is getting those guys that may have been under recruited that can make a difference at your school. That's something you bring up that um, I very rarely think about, but it's a great point how it's not like you guys have to go recruit those five-star kids. You know, if, if you're Oklahoma and there's a five-star kid in Oklahoma, no matter what you think of that kid, you probably better offer that kid. Even if you think he's not very good or, or whatever your thoughts are, if you miss on a big five-star, it's okay. But um, if he goes to Texas and blows up and you didn't offer him and didn't get him, now it looks really bad on your coaching resume or, or whatever that is. You guys can actually go out, find the kids that you, you know, can play football. I've always, I've always been crazy to me. A kid that's 6'3 is too short, but a kid that's 6'4 is just tall enough. <laughs> it's never made yeah, any I mean. sense to me at all. And, 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 you know, some of the best players I ever played with in college were guys that were supposedly too short, but they were football players, like you said. They worked hard. They knew the game. And, and the one inch meant nothing, you know. And, and so it was – uh, it w- I, I like that you say that because it would be really cool to – you're not tied down to anything. We're going to go find the best football players we can find, and we're going to get them up here. Absolutely. No, I mean, that's – you know, that's the best part of our job is just do you love football and are you a football player? And I think we all know what a football player is. We may have different credentials to that we want in a football player, but when the lights come on, is that guy going to be – a player for you is he going to be mean is he going to be nasty is he going to be physical um does he play with good technique even if he doesn't have good technique is he a guy that can develop you know uh, I, i'm with you nobody's you know calling me up telling me i need to recruit this kid because you know he's at you know like i said broken arrow high school he's a five-star you know oklahoma better offer it you're you're absolutely right but if a kid here you know if we don't like him or something like that nobody's really forcing us to do that so i, I think that's one of the benefits of being able to to coach at the small college level is really if a guy just loves football and 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 is a player when the lights come on and and physical you know there's a home for him there's a place for him and it doesn't necessarily have to be at the NAI level it could be D two or D three but um, I, I do I think that that small college football does a lot for those type of kids. I always thought it was funny we're working at at Tulsa. And- you'd play some of these bigger name teams, obviously in the non-conference games, you know, you had to pay the bills. So you got to go, go play some of those bigger schools, but you know, usually our, our offensive line there, they weren't worried about a lot of those guys. You know, they'd, they'd ask you walls, give me the sky report. Hey, he's, you know, how tall is he? Hey, he's six, four, he's six, five. I'll kill him. But if there was like a six, one or a six, two guy on, you know, okay. So I'm, for example, like Oklahoma state, uh, Hey guys, he's only six, one. They just be like, Oh man. And I'm like, what, why are you worried about that coach? If he's six one and he can play at Oklahoma State, this guy must just be nasty. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, no and question. It was, and it was right every single time. And then when you'd go play like you know Harper is at Houston, or you play like Marshall, and it was the same kind of deal. If you said, "Oh, hey, he's six five, like, oh, that guy, that guy sucks," you know, 
like, cause if he was, if he was worth anything, he'd be at OU or something, you know? So they're always worried about those shorter guys. And especially if they're at a big time power five school, like, man, this guy must be a handful. And that's when they'd really watch film. It was funny how they, they pick up on that. I'm telling you, you know, and going back to, um, talking about just recruiting football players, not worrying about it. I recruited a kid this year from, um, from Louisiana. And I, I'm not kidding you. I want to say this. He played defensive tackle, was a four-year starter for his, def- for his high school team. The kid was five foot six, 220 pounds. And, <laughs> and he, I mean, he just, he played low the entire time. I mean, he wasn't going to go anywhere other than NAIA D3. But at this level, he, he was a player. And I yep. think he ended up signing um, with one of those D3s down there. But, you know, you turn on his film, and, yeah, I mean, we all know the kind of cats Louisiana's got running down there, and he's just running past them. I mean, he's getting by them, and he's playing physical and playing nasty, and you're kind of like, gee whiz. I mean, if this cat's doing this in, in 4A, 5A football in Louisiana, he can certainly play at Southwestern College. You know, so, yeah. you know, but it, it, no one – no one asked us why. No one cared. Uh, my head coach didn't say, hey, you know, he's 5'6", 220, 230 pounds. You know, you turn on his tape, and, and he was a player. And so you're, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of fun in that regard because those smaller guys, and especially you're right, at the Power Five, those are some bad dudes, man, some bad cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coach, you've mentioned a few times just about the love of football. Like, you, you know, you've said you love football. You want to be a coach because you love football. And then you've also said you want to recruit kids that, you know, overall just they just love football, want to be around football. Something Walls has always said is, like, when he was interviewing, if he ever interviews coaches, he becomes a head coach. That's going to be like his first, his first thing is he's got to find out, does this guy love football? You know, over anything else, he wants to know, you know, does he love football? And so we've always kind of bounced around you know, different questions because it's easy to say, hey, do you love football? And they say, yeah, love football, of course. You know, so uh, we've always bounced around questions between me and Walls. Like, you know, how do we figure out uh, if we're interviewing a guy, does he really love football? You know, what do we do? What do we say? So I'm kind of curious when when you're not interviewing these kids, but when you're getting to know these kids, you're recruiting some of these kids, what are some some things that you look for or, or ask or just notice about these kids that do end up, you know, loving football when they get to get to campus? Sure. To me, it's really, can I sit down and have a conversation about football with him? You know, I mean, let's talk about your college football team. Let's talk about your favorite player. Who's your favorite coach? You know, I mean, let's just talk football. Let's not talk anything else. And does this kid's eyes light up when he's talking about his favorite team or his favorite player? I mean, can he tell you, you know, who Nick Saban is or or who Jalen Hurts is? You know, and those are obvious. They're at Alabama. But, you know, does a kid really want to sit down and talk football? Because to me – and it's it's really prevalent now at the small college level that I think kids are falling in love with the recruiting process, mm-hmm. and they love getting yes. hugs, and they love getting information on Twitter that, you know, hey, blessed to receive my offer from blank. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen those tweets <laughs> millions of times. Uh-huh. You know, blessed to receive another offer. Well, kid, are you blessed to receive an offer to play football, or are you blessed to receive an offer just to that school? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the toughest thing, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, you know, kids today, there's not a lot of them out there anymore that love football because it's easy to love Friday nights. It's easy to love Saturdays when the lights come on. But do you love Sundays, you know, coming in and watching the film? Do you love Tuesday practices, just going out there to put the pads on? Because that's an opportunity to play football, too. I mean, it may not be in front of thousands of people 
you know, like at your high school or it may not be on Saturday where we're playing a conference game, but you're playing football on, on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday at practice. You know, are you going to love that? Are you going to love what it takes to be a college football player, the study hall, going to class, doing right? And um, for me, it, it comes down to just being point blank honest. Hey, this is what you're going to have to do. And I tell you what, if those kids flinch at that, and, and we've seen it, you know, those kids, if they don't want to do something, those eyes kind of get crossed and they, you know, uh, you know, to me, that's a red flag because I love everything about it. Just like you that guys do. I mean, you know, Saturday's probably my least favorite day. Yeah, that's that's when right. every, every, everybody thinks that they're a coach on Saturday. You know, I mean, everybody thinks that I'm an idiot on Saturday. I should have mm-hmm. ran it or I should have thrown it or something like that. So I hate Saturdays. My favorite days of the week are, are Monday when we're putting in the game plan meeting with our kids, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice, Friday walkthrough, and then that, those are my favorite days of the week. And um, so I, I think just getting down and talking to a kid about football, and, I mean, if he can tell you football, if he can talk football, sometimes if it's a lineman, I'll talk about, hey, what's your favorite, you know, run scheme? You know, or if I'm recruiting a quarterback, hey, uh, you know, let's talk about your favorite RPO. And obviously, you know, sometimes that knowledge isn't going to be there, but can he get up there with excitement and say, Coach, we burned you know, we burned, you know, Jinx High School with this concept. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, do they get fired up talking football? And I do the same thing when I interview coaches. You know, me as the offensive coordinator, I work for a head coach that is absolutely the best I've ever worked with as far as, you know, he's going to trust me to do my job, hire the offensive coaches. I try to lay it out as much as I can. We're going to work these hours, okay? Uh, I hold high standards for my coaches just like my kids. You know, mm-hmm. we can't go out there unprepared. We can't go out there with our hands in our pockets. You know, if you love football enough to have your script out and, you know, written down, or you love football enough to make sure that you're in the office with a cup of coffee and a smile on your face at 6 a.m. for staff meetings, you know, and, and, and you guys know you've been coaching a long time too. There's a lot of coaches out there that don't really love football either, but they want sure. that headset and they want that opportunity to, hey, coach, I think we should throw it here. Okay, well, what, what concept should we throw? Well, hell, I don't know, but we need to throw it. You know, I mean, we know those guys too. So oh, dude. I, I, I think there has to be a, a mutual respect from coach to player and everybody has to love football and buy in um, in order for it to work because kids today, I'm telling you, man, it, it's, it's almost getting out of hand just and Twitter contributes to that and everything else. But I want a guy that just loves football and realizes that it's an opportunity to play, get your education and, and, and do that rather than I just want offers because we've all seen those kids too. Uh, that took me back to my first year coach and, and you know, I just out of college, just kind of like yourself, you know, you get thrust into some situations and, you know, you're, you're recommending some things on the headphones because I was the only guy watching film with the head coach and you'll get a couple other coaches like, man, why are you listening to that guy? He's brand new, you know, like he's the, the head coach is flat out say, how much film do you watch this week? Well, guess what? He's watched eight hours of film and oh, I'm going to listen to him. So, I mean, it is pretty interesting, but, I thought that was hilarious about the guys on the phones. Man, you got to throw it. Man, you should run it. You know, but and you've never oh, yeah. you've never seen a coach so uh, so upset when like if if you uh, if you got like one minus headset, it's like every coach does not want to be the one without a headset. Doesn't matter if they ever say anything during the game. If they don't have a headset. They are slided. They are not happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, coach, because that it doesn't look good on your Twitter That's without a headset exactly on. I mean, right. you're not really, you're, <laughs> not, exactly you're right. not, you know, you're not really coaching unless you have the headset on, because nobody back home is going to believe you that you're actually coaching college football. <laughs> and true. you know, 
if I wasn't the coordinator, I'd tell him to take it. I, golly, everybody's talking on it. Y'all guys know that. I mean, uh-huh. but it, it's just, yeah, hey, coach, I, do I get a headset? Well, I mean, no, <laughs> you don't. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just so. But, no, I, I'm with you guys. They all want – and it's it's a generational thing. I think it has to be. I really do because, you know, shoot, I was just happy to coach, man. Like I said, I mean, we went 0-11 that first year. I was in my hometown, Tyler, Texas. I mean, you couldn't have told me that there was a better job out there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I didn't – okay, I don't get a headset this game. That's fine. Do I still get to coach? And, you know. Yeah. And And – like every young coach, you know, the O-line individuals just, we're going to hit the sled for like 20 minutes and then <laughs> work on double teams. You know, like, I mean, I was just happy to get to do that. So All you need. Uh, I'm, I'm with you all there. It, it's a, it's funny how, how things are turning. But, um, you know, it's – you got to have guys that surround you that love the game. And, and that's why I love this so much because, you know, talking football, thinking football, it's it's awesome. Well, that's kind of was my other question. You go back to, to Tyler, Texas, and, and I'm sure a little bit of that was fun because those East Texas guys, you guys are all just weird about East Texas. I, <laughs> I, get, I had a lot of roommates that were East Texas guys. And, and oh, God. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Texas people in general were crazy about Texas until I got to Texas, and then I found out there's regional parts of Texas that are crazy about their region. That's right. And so, and, and I think East Texas is the most crazy about the region. And, and w- me and Walls had an argument, not an argument, but we sat and listened to an argument of one of our coaches that we were with my first year have like a 30 minute argument about he was from East Texas, not from Dallas, because he was, and we all say he was Dallas. We had to get out the map and we had to do this big research. And he had to say, <laughs> no, LD Bell is technically, or, or I forget, I think this is where he's from. I can't remember, but it was a big argument on the bus ride down to Texas to play. Uh, whether he was from East Texas or not. I'm telling you, you know, and my wife's probably more proud to be from East Texas than I am. You know I mean? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, but I'm telling you, once you get in those piney woods, man, we get, we're a little weird. We really are. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a whole different, different culture. And, and uh, I guess the closer you get to Louisiana, you know, which um, just down home country people, you know, I, I love growing up there. Great fishing. Um, you know, great yeah. hunting, good food. You know, we get, like mm-hmm. I said, close enough to Louisiana where you're getting the, you're getting the good food, the crawfish, the etouffee, you know, the shrimp boils, the, you know, and it's um, everybody on the streets coming down to with BYOB and we're going to boil up some crawfish. And, and it's it just it's good down-home people. You know, somebody says something, you don't have to write on a piece of paper, shake your hand, and, it, you know, it's just – I loved it, man. And so when you talk yeah. about pride in East Texas, I don't know if I can ever get away from that because – that's that's home. I love those piney woods. <laughs> As I say, I doubt it. My buddy from Longview, that's that's his thing. They, they, we're at Houston, and, and we were at Houston, and we were working out in the 110-degree heat over the summer and humid, and it, it was awful, and I was dying. And it was him and his three buddies that were also from Longview, and he's like, man, this is easy compared to Longview. And Longview, <laughs> it was way harder workouts than this. This They just get away with anything here. I'm like dying. I'm like, I don't know about that, guys. No, I'm telling you, Longview. We would be work. We'd be way harder than this. We'd be kicking these kids off the team. It's just, it's just funny you know, how that goes. But, but I, I kind of want to get back to with it. You know, while you were coaching at, at Tyler, um, or in Tyler, you know, you were like you said, whatever, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two years old, um, and you're coaching twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two-year-old kids. I would assume. And so, uh, I, how was that dynamic when you first started out with that? You know, my first year, I was. 
23 or 24, but I was coaching high school kids, so 18, 17, a little bit off of my age. Uh, but I've been coached by a few GAs that are around my age in college. So how was that being that coach that was, you know, roughly the same age as your players? Well, I lied to them. I told them I was 26 or 27. You know, <laughs> good move, good move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because every uh, – yeah, I know. That's, um, that's true. I mean, I, I just mm-hmm. lied to them. But, no, I mean, in all honesty, I did. I told them I was older just because I knew how it would look and everything. But on a serious note, um, I did tell them. I mean, because those guys knew I was young. They could tell I was young. And really, as I've gotten older – Hell, there's not any difference between a 23-year-old and a 26, 27-year-old. I mean, as far as, like, how the kids look at you. You know, I mean, you're still young. Sure. So, I went in with the mindset of, guys, how many of you want to play in the NFL? And I was at an NAI school. I mean, of course, every hand was raised, right? And I told them, you think those guys aren't coached by guys their same age, okay? Um, I'm your coach, okay? I was hired to do a job. Um, I'm not your bro. I'm not dude. You know, I, I'm, I'm your coach. And, um, you know, that approach really worked well for me. Um, I think the kids appreciated my honesty in telling them I'm young, um, but I'm going to work. I'm going to be the hardest working offensive line coach in the country. I mean, and I believed it a little bit. And I think the kids did too, that, you know, the guys at, you know, LSU weren't working any harder than we were. And, you know, I think that there was a little sense of we're kind of all in this together. We're young, but we're learning. We're going to fight. We're going to go try. And, uh, you know, I never had a problem with it. I really didn't. And I think making that correlation between NFL coaching as far as those guys and, and, and all that kind of helped because when they kind of looked at it like that, they're like, oh, yeah, you know. And that was a time where I guess Kyle Shanahan was kind of on the rise. And I think he was like named the Texans offensive coordinator like 28, you know. And, you know, the kids saw that and they were like, well, if he's 28, then Coach Kirby's fine. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> You know, but I, I never have had a problem with that. Um, and I think a lot of it is just coming with that mindset. Now, whether that's right or wrong, you know, I don't know. But it worked for me, and, and I'm glad it did because, you know, you're right. You're coaching those guys, and you're 23, 22 yourself. Um, you know, you, you better have an answer when you walk in that, that meeting room. And I think part of that is is you better have a way to make those guys better too. Yep. Um, and not, I'm, not a, I'm not a genius or an expert by any – I'm not trying to say that at all, but – I think if the kids see that you're working to make them better, it doesn't really matter how old you are. Every player wants to be better. So yeah. that's how I always took the approach. If I was just going to work harder and try to try to get them a little bit better every day, um, then we'd be fine. And, and fortunately, we were. So I still talk to those guys quite a bit. And so it's it, it was fun. It's a fun transition. Yeah, it's being, you know, your GA, same kind of deal, uh, younger guy. I thought it was just making it like a partnership. You know, and, and Coach Harper's talked about about it. You've just said it yourself, like, hey, my, my job is to make you better. You guys want to be good football players. You guys want to win games. You always kind of start there. I mean, that's human nature, I would think. You know, everybody wants to be good at something. So, like, you, you started that. And then the, when there would be times when, you know, maybe there was a question or, hey, how are we going to do something, I always thought it was nice because you'd be able to lean on the kids. What do you guys, you know, hey, what do you guys feel works the best? And I think once they'd kind of see – you know, I'd listen to them and I'm like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do that. So it was a little, you know, not just a, a dictatorship all the time, you know, there's still going to be some, some democracy to it and they're going to have a say. I think they respected you a lot more for that, you know, and you, you said, you know, just being honest with them. And I think once they saw that it worked and then you could celebrate the same thing and tell those guys like, Hey man, you know, 
I remember a couple of kids, you know, Hey Tommy, that was a great idea. You know, and you could show that in front of the kids that just, that just went a long way. And they're like, you know what? Hey, coach, coach Walls cares about us, you know? And at the same time, you know, he's, he's not one of these, you see some of these coaches that kind of come in and they get, they get the hard on for everything, you know, Hey, I'm going to be hard. Oh, you know, coach, you call me coach, you do this, you know, and you're going to do it this way or we're going to run or we're going to do up downs. You know, I was never like that. You know, I think it, it went a lot further. Absolutely. Now I'm with you and, and something that you said that I agree with completely. And, you know, I've gotten some cross looks and I've also gotten some guys that agree with me, which is what's great about this profession. Right. But, um, I'm huge on asking the kids, what do they think? Even now, I mean, we're going into year nine or 10 yeah. of our coaching career. And, um, you know, and I'm still asking my guys, Hey, you know, if you take a flat step here, you think you can reach him? Uh, coach, I, I mean, I can't do that. We got to take a vertical there. Okay, then take the vertical. Whatever you got to do to get there, let's get there because we need this double team. You know, and, and big on film. Hey, I'm asking the guys. I'm not always telling them what to do. I'm asking them, hey, why did you do this? Well, mm-hmm. Coach, I saw that, you know, he'd been shooting C-gaps, so I just protected inside, got on his hip, and ran him up the field. You know, I mean, stuff like that to where I think if you give those guys a little bit of freedom, you know, to, to play their game, that trust is going to be built because if all five aren't, don't trust in their coach, it doesn't matter what you draw up on the board. I mean, cause everybody says all five have to play on one unit and that's true, but that coach has to be on the same page as them too. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't always be, it can't be uh, my way or the highway all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the ones that are playing in the trenches. Those guys are the ones that are, you know, getting hip to hip on the double teams, getting the solo block on the man call you know, things of that nature. So you better make sure that they're comfortable with what they're doing too. And if they can't do it your way, you better be able to adapt as an offensive line coach with what they can do to get the job done up front. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm huge on that. I, I love the fact that you said that and that you kind of have that mindset too because, you know, it, there's no egos up front. I don't give a damn if it's my idea or the center's idea or whatever. Yeah. You know, let's get it blocked and, and let's run the football and let's protect the quarterback because those are our two jobs right there. And, and that's it. I mean, so – um, I love that you said that, and I think being a young coach, that certainly helped me because I knew I didn't have the answers. That's right. And, um, yeah, you, you, you said know, you had so. to fake it, fake it to make it, but why, why not use that with, with your kids to gain a little bit of credibility? It's like, hey, you, know, no you, I just, you could just kind of say like, hey, guys, you know, I, I have my idea, but what, what do you guys think? And all of a sudden now you, you could come to kind of a consensus, and then when it was something that they'd come up with and we actually did it and it worked, I mean, just think of the buy-in that they now had. I mean. You're, you're, you're like that at your job every single time. I mean, if, you're, if your head coach came in every single day and said, you know, Coach Kirby, I want you to do it exactly like this, exactly like this, you would probably be much more miserable. And you've already said he's the exact opposite. Coach Kirby, I trust you, and I want you to go do it this way, and let's get it done. Let's have some fun. Which way are you going to do it, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, because now you're given freedom. And when you see your ideas work, Oh my God, how much does your confidence go up? Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't matter if it's on the football field or, or in our regular jobs, whatever. When you're given the freedom to do something and it works, you feel better about yourself. You feel better about the guys around you. You know, it develops that trust. Cause even to this day, I change my offensive line handbook every year. Dang right. Because I let my guys determine what the calls are going to be. The only non negotiables that I have are the front side and the backside double team calls. We're going to call them. ABC, XYZ, that's it. Anything else, full blocks, you know, checks, auto protects, whatever, you guys make them because you're the ones that have to remember them. I'm the coach, you know, because how many times does we've all seen it? And, you know, Coach Harper, you know, I know maybe at Houston it was like this. 
how many times were y'all given a sheet of paper? Here are our calls. And you're looking at it going, oh, my God. <laughs> and <laughs> and we're like, going to use we're going to use them anyway. Yeah. We're going to use one. That's we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll call it that. Yeah, sure. And then every time in the game, we had to have like two – me and my buddy, we had to have like two Rolodexes of what we were going to call things because it was what we were going to call them on the field, and the coach would have to ask us, what would you call right there? We'd have to know what we'd call it, then we'd have to roll through, okay, what's he want us to call it? Okay, we called it uh, ace or whatever it was. But we were going to use what was comfortable for us in the game. That's what, so that's what I'm saying. I mean, so I change my O-line handbook every year. And, you I know, that. I'm working with my guys in the off season, uh, and we're going through individual drills or something. And I'm saying, hey, guys, are we are we still calling that so-and-so? Yeah, coach, I'm good with that. Hey, what? remember what we called this last year? Oh, yeah, we called that cup. Okay, hey, y'all good with that? Can we teach the new guys that? Yeah, let's leave it at cup. That may, we're, we're good on that. You know, solo, man, whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, I, I just think for me, it's my responsibility to speak their language. I mean, kids change, man. Kids change, but the position isn't going to change. It's going to come down to great technique, great fundamentals, and playing your ass off. So if those are the three things that are not going to change, and kids are, you better be find a way to be able to teach them. And sometimes that's learning their system so that you can regurgitate it back to them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's brilliant. And I, and I think I love even what you said, you know, if a kid's more comfortable and it's a kid that started a few years, he's more comfortable, whatever, lead stepping than this, or as long as it doesn't mess everything else up and it works, you know, let it work and let's go. Uh, you also kind of brought up something that, that I wanted to touch on that's always interesting to me. Um, you guys, it seems like at college, have such a huge uh, change from your freshmen to your seniors this here in the next few months. You're going to get in a whole brand new batch of, of freshman kids that come in that have been from whatever, you know, if there's six linemen, they've probably come from six different offenses and they're going to come up mm-hmm. here and you're going to have to coach those kids. And you're also going to have to coach kids that have been in your system now five years. And they've called it, like you said, cup every year. They know your schemes. They know everything. It's like the back of their hand. It's just little things you're tweaking with them. How do you, you know, how do you bridge that gap or, or how do you coach at, you know, with your older guys, try to coach, you know, um, 500 level classes where you're teaching these uh, freshman kids coming in offensive line, you're teaching them, um, you know, the classes that are pass fail basically out on the football field. How do you merge? <laughs> how do you merge those two sure. on, on the field and Indy and team and, and all that stuff? You know, that's, that's a great question, coach. And it's something that to this day, I mean, the head coach and I were talking about that a couple of days ago, you know, is, is just how do you do that? Because it's tricky and it's tough. Because you're absolutely right. You know, those older guys, they're going to know more calls or seen more situations. And, you know, they really don't want to work on their stance the first two days of camp. You know what I mean? They don't know and how to get in a proper stance. You know, this is going to be the first year to where I have some help on the offensive line. And I've always been against it. I've I've always been against it uh, to offensive line coach. And the reason for that is, is I've always believed that the offensive line, you want them playing with one mentality. So if you've got a guy coaching your tackles that maybe is a little bit more passive than the guy coaching the inside, they're not playing with the same mentality. If they're speaking a different language, stuff like that. So I've always had that challenge of how do you teach everybody with just me. Um, And a lot of that came down to I started meeting with the returners. And I'd say, guys, I have two eyes and two ears. Okay. I can't see everybody. And I can't hear everybody, but you guys can. If you see somebody that's not buying into our culture and our way of doing things on the offensive line, call them out. Show them. 
you know, because it's going to mean a lot more from a guy that's played a lot of snaps than me just jumping down their throat. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of times to where I'm working with maybe a freshman on, on getting in that good stance, you know, or, or I'm correcting him maybe on the ET stunt or something. Whereas, you know, my all-conference left guard will come up and be like, hey, on that, if you'll attack that hip, it'll snap him off quicker. You know, and I mean, things like that. So I, I'm very fortunate to have a group of guys that is kind of, they've, they've bought in to me, they bought into each other. But I don't know if, if I've figured out a, a right way to do that. You just try to coach them all the same. Um, one thing I think I am good at and that the kids respect, and that I've heard from players telling me this, I'm not assuming it, but that I coach everybody the same. It doesn't matter if you're the freshman or the, the fifth-year senior. I'm going to play the best five, and the guys that get our system are going to play, and the guys that don't, we'll keep coaching and working with you, but it's going to take you a little bit of time. You may redshirt. You may play on the JV, um, you know, and things of that nature. But there certainly is a fine line that to this day I'm not – I'm not arrogant or uh, I guess I'm humble enough to admit I, I still hadn't figured it out. You know, you just try to coach them all the same and, you know, help the ones that, that ask the more que- the most questions. Um, you know, I don't know if that's the answer you probably wanted to hear, but I don't know if there is an answer. Yeah. I said, how did y'all do it at the high school level? Cause I mean, that question, it's gotta be tougher for you guys just for the simple fact that your freshmen coming in are what 13, 14. I mean, sure. at least mine are like 18 and 19. So, <laughs> I mean, how, and you know, not that maybe the maturity level is any different. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> probably, I mean, not a, probably not a ton different. <laughs> the thing I would say though is, is, uh, you know, they're a few years off, but at least they've kind of been in our system, you know, in middle, you know, for two years, you know, we don't get a, a broken arrow. We don't have the ninth grade kids. So in eighth grade, they've, it's not the same necessarily exact same offense, but it's kind of the same. They kind of make the, some of the same calls in eighth grade and ninth grade and then they come into our, our offense you know it's not like they're you know wing t or whatever in eighth grade and the ninth grade and then all of a sudden now they're running pro style or, or whatever it is so they've got some kind of a general grasp but hasn't really been until this year and that's really kind of why i was asking the question before we've always had decent kids and they've kind of all been spread out this year uh the past few years we've had a lot of sophomores and freshmen even starting well now they're juniors and seniors and they've started a lot, and it's a really, really good two classes that we have. And then we've got a younger mm-hmm. class that isn't a bad class, but it's not, you know, a phenomenal class by any means. Uh, so there now there kind of is a little bit of a despair. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, the really good kids that are, have been in the program for a while, and then we get our young kids that are off quite a bit. I've had some years where I got a lot of seniors, but they're not very good, and then my younger kids are about the same as them, and so you're kind of teaching all on the same level. But like you said, I'm trying to teach – my freshman, okay, here, get in a stance. And then I've got, you know, a junior that's played three years. i got a senior that started three years. I, I, you know, sure, I talk about their stance a little bit, but we're going to get more into, you know, re- looking at safeties or, hey, uh, this blitz is a team that, you know, we play a bunch. They're going to bring us this blitz. So we want to start picking it up in the spring even just so we can start getting used to that. And so that's really why I asked the question. I don't have a great answer. I'm trying to find the best way to develop these younger kids, but, not slow the older kids down, but if I jump them up too quick to doing things, if I jump the younger kids up to next level stuff and they don't even know how to get in their stance yet, then it's kind of all for naught and I'm wasting their time. And so that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm trying to balance and figure out how do I put them on the same level. Um, one of the answers, like you say, coach, we get in grids and, and do some stuff with these pipes and it's really cool. I, I get let my older kids, like you said, kind of let my older kids coach them up a little bit and yeah, I think that's a big source of pride when you hear 
one of your senior kids using the same lingo as you to coach some of these sophomore kids and, and coach them hard, not mean, but hard. And, and you can tell they want, want these kids to be good and, and impart knowledge that maybe you forgot even that you told these other kids when they were younger. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you made a good point and, you know, talking about the older kids and, you know, bringing them up and you starting young guys, I think really it starts with just what are you going to stand for as an offensive line coach and the culture you're going to build. And we've all played O-line, coached O-line. It's a team within a team, you know, and, and what kind of, what, what's your film room like? What's your, what's your meetings like? What do your kids stand for? Are they going to be focused and disciplined? And I think if your O-line is the hardest working group on the field, they're going to expect that out of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, I'm, I'm like you coach you know I mean this year alone I'm going left tackle to right tackle I went true freshman sophomore redshirt freshman sophomore sophomore <laughs> started all 11 yeah and you know those guys they're still pups themselves right but they they've bought in they've played so it's easier for them to help those younger guys and a funny story, we're playing in Ottawa this year, and, and the game's in hand, and, and I put in my second-string guys and let them get some playing time. We're winding down the clock, trying to run out the clock, get out of there, like everybody's been in that situation. We get a delay a game. And I looked at the center, who's a true freshman. He's 18 years old. He's from Noble, Oklahoma. Great kid. I loved coaching him. I said, how did you not snap the ball, son? He said, I didn't know – like, I didn't know – you know, the clock, the play clock. I didn't see it. And that's a great, like, I'll always remember that because I didn't do a good enough job as a coach teaching this young guy, make sure you're looking at the play clock. Make sure you find you know the I mean? play like, clock, yeah. You know, my, my starter knew that, so that's not something I've ever had to teach in, in a year and a half. Right. He's a red shirt freshman, so I haven't had to worry about it. And we're up-tempo, no huddle, you know, so he, it really doesn't matter. But when you're trying to milk the clock, <laughs> yeah, of course, Dustin, who's played two years, knows, hey, wait till it gets to one, snap it, okay, run the ball. Whereas my guy gets in there from Noble and just sits there on the ball. <laughs> and we get a delay a game. And how are you going to get mad at that kid? Right. So that's yeah. what, that, was, that was a great teaching moment for me that, you know, I think you're always kind of teaching those younger guys. You're always teaching the older guys. And I, I certainly think having, having the right culture, uh, where those older guys have maybe put in the work and take pride in the position, take pride in the work that it takes to be good at the position. I certainly help think that helps you as a coach. And, you know, the one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten is I got a call about three months ago from one of my former players. And he wanted to get into college coaching. He'd been a high school coach. So he's going to come help me this year. And he wants to, you know, coach the JV offensive line and, and those scout team guys. And, having a guy that's run my system, used my language, you know, gotten used to how I coach kids, uh, I think will help, you know, with those younger guys. But uh, I think it's a fine line, like you were talking about, Coach Harper, just like, you know, it's you're here and then you're there and then you're here and then you're there. I think you're always trying to take four steps forward knowing that you may take a step back. But if you're taking four steps forward, you know, those kids, those younger guys, man, they always got questions. So. I think, that might be, I think that might be the most – I think that might be the easiest thing and, and one of the things that's done the least is having an offensive line coach get to coach your scout team. You know, wh- whether it's your, your head offensive line coach, your assistant off- – someone that knows offensive line, him coaching the scout team, I think, is one of the easiest fixes to help your young kids, but it's very rarely done. I say rarely. I, was, I saw it very rarely in my college career. Uh, a lot of times it was, you know, a defensive GA – 
coaching the offensive line or, or showing cards, you know, so they're not getting any better mm-hmm. than looking at cards where if you can get an offensive line guy down there, you can still show cards, but then you say it's whatever. Hey, this is 12 to us, guys. You're showing them the card. Okay, this is 12, right? Now you can also coach them, and you got a guy that can, if he is just an assistant coach, uh, you know, now he can watch film with those guys even. Okay, I know this isn't technically 12, but it basically is. So look at your second step. Look at this. Look at this. And so it's, you know, so many reps that I think even a lot of big-time colleges, I know at Houston, like three or four of the five years, there was just some defense GA coaching it. You know, and then the one year I was a freshman, I got super, super lucky. Uh, we had Lee Hayes, which was a guy at Baylor, and then ended up being an offensive mm-hmm. line coach at Texas Tech. But he was the, the uh, quality control guy. Well, he went over with the scout team to coach them up, and we just all got uh, incredibly just a ton better because we had a real offensive line coach coaching us the entire year. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the benefits of our level is, you know, you know we've got so many kids that, you know, and retention's huge in the small colleges. So those guys getting reps and team and everything else, we're going to watch that film with them. And I don't know, sometimes it's with the varsity or sometimes it's by ourselves, but I'm going to make time every week to watch it. And, you know, when we're watching film with the varsity of practice, you know, in the mornings, the JV's there. They're learning from those guys. They're seeing, hey, even that guy doesn't take the right step all the time. Or that guy, you know, is, is always taking a vertical set as opposed to maybe a maybe a kick slide or something like that, you know, to where they're learning from those older guys' mistakes too. So, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned about the scout team and getting coached by a real line guy, um, you know, one of the benefits that I've seen as well is watching film with those guys, letting them see that the older guys make mistakes, but then also instead of skipping over the JV and team, watch that with the older guys too. I mean, we're, it doesn't matter what grade you are. Everybody's making the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. We're coaching the same thing, and we've got to get better at it. So um, I guess there's a lot of ways to do it, but it's, uh, it, it's tough sometimes. I'm with you. I just think, I mean, <clears throat> being in education now, and I've kind of started to research a lot more of this now in my, my teaching career, is just what they call differentiation. You know, you, you can't do the same thing for every type of kid. You know, everybody learns differently. Everybody experiences things differently, hears things differently, sees things differently. So I, I think the more that you can expose to them, the more, you know, people you guys have already talked about, the older older players doing it. But, you know, j- just letting them experience it, you know, letting them go out and make the, make the mistake, you know, but just doing a ton of reps. And all of a sudden now they're able to, to kind of feel, you know what, me, me sitting in this stance is not good. Maybe I need to tweak my stance this way. And you can kind of talk to them about it, maybe give them a couple of cues. But, you know, showing them how, how these kids, hey, so-and-so is 6'5", 280 pounds. He's going to have a lot different stance than you, Joey, when you're 5'8", 185. You know, Correct. you're not going to have the exact same stance. So, I mean, I think right, right there when you're able to kind of show those kids like, hey, man, we're, we're going to teach you some basic principles and fundamentals of offensive line but it's not going to look exactly the same for everybody we're just hoping you guys get the exact same results right you put the guy in his back or you know we're, we're denting the the three technique on, on power whatever it might be but you know letting them know that it is okay you don't have to be robot offensive linemen and cookie cutter offensive linemen um, to me that's gone a long a long way with those kids and understanding that there's so many different paths they can take to get there and I, you know, the last thing that everyone teaches, you know, just, just give them all those tools to use in their toolbox, you know, and again, they're going to need to get feedback when they use them. You know, it's one thing for me to sit there and, and show them on the board, show them on film, you know, Co- coach Harper w- would maybe, 
you know, he's talked about a couple of times, you know, how to, to handle the bull rush, you know, Oh, you're just going to grow a third leg and stick it behind you. Well, coach, it didn't work when the 360 pound nose tackle ran right over me after I snapped, you know, I, I you had to have maybe a different technique. So I think, you know, them going out there and getting that instant feedback and failing and then telling those kids, Hey, it's okay to fail. And I'm going to, I'm going to lift you back up. At, and then we're going to learn from that rather than you suck. You know, you can't do it that way. Here's the only way you should do that. And they instantly, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they instantly kind of shut it down in both ends. Well, it didn't work coach. And then you telling me that I suck and I need to do it, still do it this way. That didn't help me either. So I think those are a lot of things that I've kind of learned throughout the years, but differentiating my coaching and my instruction has really, really helped. And coach, I love that we got to talk to you today. It's been uh, yes. a blast for me. It, it's been really, really good. And, you know, you hit on just so many things that it seems like me and Walls have talked about a bunch. And, you know, just, just me and him, not necessarily on the podcast, just as I was coming up coaching, learning from Walls, learning from our head coach, uh, Coach Alexander, you know, just talking about love of football and, and you know, uh, dealing with kids and, and how to deal with kids and, and let, you know, giving them some ownership. And so it's been awesome for me, especially as an offensive line coach, getting to hear an offensive line coach. It's been, it's been a blast, but uh, you know, kind of how we end all these is, is, um, and I always love hearing it from offensive line coaches, but when, when you're watching another team play, you're watching their offensive line, what's something they would do that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Oh, how, how physical they are. Um, to me, that's just the name of the game, man. I mean, that's why you play the position. That's why you coach the position. I mean, just being physical, um, playing with great technique, those are the two biggest things. You know, and it, it, understanding that sacks are going to happen, understanding that you're going to get beat on the run game, you're going to get swam, and you're going to get caught leaning. I mean, that's those things that every coach in America has seen from his guys. It doesn't matter if it's the fifth string or the, the, the All-American, but are you firing off the football? Are you trying to, you know, impose your will on somebody? Because I tell my O-line that, that quote, and I, it, I don't know who said it, but everybody repeats it. Is There's no greater feeling than moving a man from point A to point B against his will. Mm-hmm. So if you're firing off the football – being physical, being nasty, and, um, you know, playing with, with great technique or at least looks like you've been coached technique, man, there's nothing better than that. I, I don't want a pretty guy. I want a guy that will put his hand in the dirt and, uh, let, you know, let's let's get the hands inside the breastplate, let's roll the hips, and, and let's go. I mean, let's um, that, that's me in a nutshell, man. I'm all for that. So if I see an offensive line firing off the football, being physical and, and, and playing with great technique, um, you know, I'm all for that. But second thing is, is I'm a little different. Uh, you know, I'm watching how guys are teaching double teams and how they're doing it. You know, are they going hand on the hip? Are they going, you know, shoulder to shoulder? Are they putting a hand on their teammates' back, pushing them off? You know, I think there's a lot of ways to teach that too. So I find some ways to do that. And then, you know, I, I'm weird enough, man. I'm an I'm, I'm an offensive line just nut. I I love it. And, um, <laughs> right. I've got, I, I ain't, I'm not kidding you guys. I got a four inch binder of nothing but articles. Um, you know, and, and manuals and stuff. I mean, there's guys I don't even know. I'll call up, hey, I'm Adam Kirby. I'm the offensive line coach at Southwestern College. I just want to learn. I mean, how do y'all, how do y'all run your, you know, your power read or, or you know, how do you run your, you know, your counter? I mean, ask questions, man. I mean, to me, and that's the offensive line fraternity, you know, you got the cool clinic and everything else. You know, 98%, 99% of offensive line coaches are willing to give you everything they got. And so, if I see something I like and a team's being physical, hey, man, how do you, you know, is there anything you do to develop that? Is there something, you know, things like that? So uh, that's a little off 
topic. I know I get to drifting sometimes. I, I just love the position. <laughs> I love coaching it. And, and But definitely, if I'm watching film, you've caught my eye if you're physical moving a guy around the around the yard a little bit. I like when you go off topic because, that, again, that just – that's exactly what Harper and I love when we're doing the podcast because we want this to feel like we're just sitting in the office and you know what, that's what it's felt like the whole time. So I appreciate you coming no, on coach. We, uh, we, uh, we need to have you on again. Seriously. This is a, this has been a blast. Hey guys, I, I, I'd love to, I mean, I listen, I've got every one of these dang things downloaded on my iTunes and my <laughs> wife, she's gotten to the where she likes listening to them too. You know, like when Siegler was on there, she thought that was the coolest thing in the world, you know? <laughs> I mean, somebody she knows and, and everything else. But I, I'm with you, man. It's just, you know, y'all were talking about pride in East Texas. I'm just an East Texas country boy that I'm living the dream, man. Coaching O-line and getting paid for it. Man, nobody's got a better better job than Adam Kirby, I can assure you. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.